Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? With time and effort, you understand that the monster under the bed is yourself. It's who you are stripped away of any pretense and are left bare. The monster under the bed is you at your most vulnerable, at your most hurt. And once you can understand that, you begin to heal. Chapter 10 Hoosiers from Afghanistan Recorded the 3rd of January, 2022 Hey everybody, this is Derwin. And something I've been thinking about lately, something that's bothered me, something that I've noticed as I've gotten older and paid attention and looked at things, I remember when I was a kid, right around after 9-11, there's a lot of like anti-Islamic, anti-Muslim stuff, right? Because I grew up in the American Midwest and you hear the news because like when I was a kid, we didn't know what a Muslim was hardly. Like we never met one. You know, we thought a poo from the Simpsons was a Muslim, right? That's how clueless we were. And then a bunch of people proclaiming the glory of Islam planes into New York City towers. And so we thought, oh, they're all bad. And then the news picked up on that, right? It's that, oh, all these people are scared. So we're going to feed them the thing that scares them the most. And then they just pumped middle America full of that for like 20 years. Right, until they just got tired of the anti-Islamic stuff, and then they just said, oh, we're just going to pump middle America full of, like, the oh, the liberals are coming to get you, sort of thing. They changed the villain, but the story was the same. But I've noticed ramifications of that now, in 2022, right? And mostly in 2021, because when... Kabul fell when Afghanistan fell and we airlifted a hundred thousand refugees out of there, which will go down as our miracle at Dunkirk, right? This was our miracle at Kabul. And as a proud Hoosier citizen of Indiana, I was so delighted to hear that we were hosting 5,000 refugees at the local Army National Guard base at Camp Atterbury. And I saw so many reactions online from local Hoosiers that for some reason seemed to think that all of these wartime refugees were coming to steal from them and were going to kill them. And they were the bad guy because 
a lot of the people had never actually met a Muslim or an Arab or an Afghani. And all they had heard about Islam, about Afghanistan, was from a very slanted news source for 20 years. And it's such a shame when that sort of thing happens. And I could tell, I could see, oh, the the things I heard when I was a kid, this is the result now. This is this is what happens when you play on people's emotions for attention, right? When you feed into their basis instincts and fears uh, for profit, like the news did in the early 2000s during the beginning of the war on terror. And we're seeing the fruit of that evil, bitter, poisonous tree called hatred that was planted in 2002. And it bothers me. <laughs> and I don't have a good answer for this. But it just, if there's somebody, if, if you're so lucky to meet one of them, talk to them, get to know them. If, you, if you're a Christian and you've never met a Muslim before and you have the good fortune to meet one, ask them questions about their faith right? And then share yours. And then just say hi and shake their hand. And you can meet some of the most delightful people that way. And yes, there's going to be a bad apple in every bunch. But there's also a lot of bad apples that were already here before the Afghanis got here. But anyway, that's just a thought I'd been having for a while. That's all for me today. Thanks for listening. Chapter 11 The Rich and the Poor One of my favorite entertainers is the Canadian actor, writer, musician William Shatner and... It's that last part. I mean, there's so many reasons why I love that guy. But that last part is one of the big ones because him as a recording artist should not work because he can't sing. He speaks. He talks. He recites it like a dramatic poetry reading. But he doesn't sing lyrics. When his first album, The Transformed Man, came out in the 1970s, he was laughed out of the record store. They said, oh my God, Captain Kirk's got an album. And he kind of over-dramatically talked, performed Rocket Man. And it was kind of a joke for a long time. And then in 2004, he showed up to the party after he got an Emmy for Boston Legal and said, hey, look at this. Boom. And he drops his album called Has Been, which he wrote and performed with Uh, the musician Ben Folds, of Ben Folds 5 fame. And William Shatner's sophomore effort, his follow-up album, was very much the soundtrack of my junior year of high school. And it introduced me to this song called Common People, which was, of course, a cover from the UK punk pop band Pulp. And it was a critique 
on the class system in England, but it very much applies here in America in a lot of ways. And it's about this working class guy who meets this rich girl that's slumming it because she wants a little bit of excitement. She's bored. And the, and the chorus goes, rent a flat above a shop, cut your hair and get a job. Smoke some cigs and play some pool. Pretend you never went to school, but still you never get it right. When you're laying in bed at night watching roaches climb the wall, if you called your dad, he could stop it all. She is observing poverty, but she is not experiencing poverty. She's a tourist. And part of the song that really spoke to me then and even speaks to me more now is when, during the bridge verse, Ben Fold sings, You'll never understand what it feels to live your life with no meaning or control and there's nowhere left to go. You're amazed that they exist and they burn so bright and you only wonder why. And I remember feeling like I didn't have any control or any power, that I didn't matter. And something that is almost always ignored is the fact that poor people don't feel like they have any power. And power doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm in control of corporations and companies. Power just means that you happen to life, and life doesn't happen to you. That's the difference between the rich and the poor. And it's easier to make surface-level changes than, say, get healthcare for people, or reform the police, or bring back the factories to the Midwest. I can't speak to anyone's experience but my own, but I know that when I was poor, life happened to me. The situations in life were out of my control, so they all happened to me and I was reacting. I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I happened to life. Life doesn't happen to me anymore. And the thing that nobody really explains to you when you stop being poor is, in that song Common People... You become the tourist. You become the person that doesn't understand the poor anymore because you're not, because your mindset's changed. Who you are has changed. And the hardest thing is when you try to take people with you and they don't want to go because they think life happens to them. Because poor people have this internalized sense of insecurity about them where... They judge themselves the harshest about money, right? They assume anybody with more money than them is looking down on them because they have less money. They understand that there are people out there that have more than them. But the steps to go from zero to one and then one to two are complete unknown. And because they don't know those steps, they feel like they failed, even though it's not their fault because no one taught them. They feel like they failed because they don't know how to not be poor. And when you do the impossible and figure out how to go from zero to one, and you look back at everybody at square zero where you started, and you say, hey, I figured it out. I learned how to do it, and I could show you. They will fight you on it. Because to acknowledge the fact that they're at zero is to acknowledge their own sense of failure and... They would have to break the facade that they're not poor. And it's fucking heartbreaking. Because when you go back to square zero and say, Hey, here's why things aren't working. Here's how things can work. They will cut you out of their life. They will say, I don't want any more contact with you. In a fucking email. They'd rather live in the lion's den 
and just pretend there's no lion instead of killing the lion. And much like in the song, I realized I was the tourist well before things completely fell apart. Because I remember during the pandemic, I stayed home. I didn't really have a Christmas that year. It was just me and the wife. I loved them so much that I stayed away from them. And it was the hardest thing I could possibly do. And it was so, so difficult. But I did it because if something happened then I would know that their blood wasn't on my hands. I could at least go to my grave knowing that. And I was a big proponent of pandemic mitigation efforts, especially before the vaccine. And I was talking to one of them, and they said, you think like they do. They meaning outsiders, people that have opposing political views and ideologies than that of the ones we came from. Because when you're poor, there's this desperate need to feel important. And I've talked about this a couple of times. And the two-dimensional nature of American politics allows poor people to feel invested in a part of something, right? It's a facade, like so many things. And so many of them bought into the two-dimensional political nature of what was going on in 2020 and a little bit in 2021. And then the pandemic was politicized and it split my family in half. And when they said, you think like they do, I thought about it for a little bit. I kind of noodled on it a while and realized, oh, that's by design. Because clearly what we were doing wasn't working. And I don't know how to be rich but I know how to not be poor. I know how to take control of my life and understand that I happen to my life and life doesn't happen to me. And the sad thing is when people are so invested in their own fantasies and the political noise, the bread and circuses that's meant to distract the peasants, that they would rather cut out their own family members. That's so fucking sad. So know that if you're missing your family, but they're unable to talk to you because they're so deeply invested in this superficial divide that we see in our country today, this bread and circuses nonsense, if it split your family up, you're not alone. If you're also a tourist, if you also made it out, and you couldn't convince anyone else to follow you out the door you opened, you're not alone. Chapter 12 Debt Will Set You Free Something I don't understand is why poor people are given so much access to credit cards. When it doesn't do them any good, a lot of the time, a lot of the time it's just predatory. A lot of the time, they're better off just not going near them, right? And I only say this having grown up around people that destroyed their lives using too much debt, right? 
where they never got anywhere. They spent an entire life, an entire life, racking up debt and declaring bankruptcy and never paying it back and finding little ways to game the system or just sometimes abandoning like mortgages, right? And they were sold this idea that you needed debt, right? That debt would set you free. Debt would make you wealthy. It impoverished whole generations of people, right? And the boomers especially, they got sold this idea. And that idea that cheap credit has ripple effects across generations, right? I don't know what the answer to that is. I'm by no means an expert. And of course, this isn't financial advice. This is just a guy talking about his opinion, his experiences. I saw so many people when I was growing up who were so obsessed about their credit score and kept taking out more debt to quote-unquote, improve their credit score. And they were always on the verge of falling apart. They were always shaky. You know, and, and then when we came of age, I knew people that took out tens of thousands of dollars of student loans and never finished college. That debt, which is, which is not dischargeable under bankruptcy law, you can't bankruptcy that away. So that's just there. And they're just stuck with it. And we're all pushing 40. And so I went kind of a countercultural way with things. We're, you know, I left for the army and I got a free education, right? I also got an all expensive paid trip to Iraq for Operation Iraqi Freedom. So that took out like one big pitfall. Right, because I'm not that smart a guy. I don't really know how to succeed, but I kind of have an idea not how to not fail. Or I know a couple of ways that people commonly fail and I avoid them. Therefore, I don't fail in the same way. I have my own failings and my own sins and crosses to bear and whatnot. And this is by no means me looking down on people. This is by no means me thinking I'm above or whatever, right? I'm just lucky and happen to make a couple of good choices. The first one really being the military because I've got free healthcare and I got a free education. Those are two things that financially cripple uh, the working class and keep them working class and keep their children working class. And... I avoided credit cards like the plague, right? However, I saw a lot of people get wrapped up in the idea of student loans. And a lot of adults were selling kids on the idea of student loans. They gave children tens of thousands of dollars of unsecured, unbankruptable debt and said, don't worry, you'll pay it back later. And then 0809 happened 
and then the pandemic hit and a lot of people are still they're hoping that the government will forgive student loans which they should because they sold them to children on a false promise that no matter how much you took out it was a ticket to the middle class right and yes there should have been parents involved there should have been a lot of countermeasures and stop gaps and reviews before you give a child a piece of paper putting them on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt those things all should have been in place but apparently the adults at the school were on board and the parents were on board everybody had bought into this lie and now that generation of kids is pushing 40 and a lot of them are really regretting the hell out of it. And I'm so frustrated at it. And I see it all the time, this lie that debt will set you free. And it sure as hell didn't set my peers free. But a lot of my peers are still paying off student loans from a decade plus ago. And they're hoping that the federal government's going to forgive them all. But then... Who's making the money off the interest payments, right, if they're federal loans? I don't know if they have a financial incentive to forgive those loans. And so I I really doubt it's ever going to happen. If you're making money off somebody in perpetual debt to you, you're not going to forgive it. Because it was set up for a reason to make money off them in perpetuity. Because that's what's happening. That's what happened. A whole generation of people are paying interest payments in perpetuity. Hoping that the people they're paying interest payments to will say, you know what? We don't want your lifetime supply of income anymore. We're good. Keep your money. It's never going to happen. And it angers me to no end. <sighs> it's a trap. It's a trap to keep working class in the working class. You know, if you make less than like $30,000 a year, it's an arbitrary number. But anyone making less than that's typically working class. A credit score isn't really going to help you very much. You're being sold a fantasy. If used properly, it can protect and provide for you and your family. If used improperly, it can destroy your life, the lives of everyone around you, and cripple your family for generations. And I never saw it being used properly growing up or in my 20s, really. And so I didn't, I don't, I, I absolutely, I don't ever want a credit score because I've only seen the American debt system be used to keep impoverished people in the peasantry, right? It keeps them in the peasant class. 
and I can't change it. I can just not be a part of it. It's the only thing I can do. So that when I have kids, they won't know what the inside of a bread line looks like unless they're volunteering there. You know, that won't be where they have to go get their food because there's not any other money because I wasn't responsible with my debt. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Derwin, they have to know how to survive in a debt economy and they have to know how to function in the system and probably. I don't know. I'm too scared to go near it, right? That's the bottom line. That's what it all boils down to. I'm too scared to touch it because I've seen what it does to people. And it's just not worth the risk after when you've seen the risk go horribly wrong. No risk is worth that. Chapter 13 We Should Not Fight in Ukraine Recorded March of 2022 I'm really disappointed in my country right now. And I have been for a while. But maybe I never really knew it. You know. Maybe... The version of it that I was told was a lie. Because the version I remember being told was America was the shining city on the hill and America supported the troops and America did what was right. And and yes, kind of, sometimes, some of us. Right, like there's 360 some odd million of us. So with that many people, just by sheer accidental odds, someone's going to do the right thing, even if by like accident. I remember the stories we were told in the trailer park. I remember the people that constantly thanked me for my service when I was in uniform. I remember being told that we were defending freedom in Iraq and Afghanistan. That what we did mattered. That it was important. I'm not so sure anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm... I got to help people. I got to save lives. I know what I did mattered. I know I made a difference. I can I can quantify it in lives. Or a life. You know. The people at home. See, I, I kind of grew up real conservative. And the conservatives talk a real good game about supporting the troops and spreading, you know, uh, American-style democracy all around the world. And and they seem to forget. They seem to get bored. 
right? Liberals do this too. Everybody does this. Americans do this. They get bored with whatever new shiny thing is happening, right? And then they move on to the next shiny thing. And they have this weird prepackaged set of ideas and ideals that they have to fight for the little guy and do what's right. But they don't really have the attention span to do it the right way. They don't really have the stomach to do what's necessary. It sure was funny that all those people that kept saying how they appreciated the sacrifice of the troops couldn't be bothered to wear a mask during the pandemic. They couldn't be bothered to get vaccinated so the hospitals didn't choke on them during the pandemic. The idea of doing something for someone else was equated with tyranny instead of civic duty by the same people that were so excited to thank me for my service and my sacrifice. (laughs) So it turns out they were full of shit the whole time. The whole fucking time. And not only them, right? I saw how Congress acted during the pandemic, right? After they finished insider trading, then they shut the country down. They sent the peasants $1,200 and then sent billionaires millions of dollars of taxpayer money in the form of PPP loans. And so when I saw that, I said, oh, oh, everything they've ever said about the idea of unity, about the idea of sacrifice, about the ideals of America was entire bullshit, right? Not a goddamn thing was true. That the people running the country are only in it for themselves, Clearly, and their friends, and the ruling class. Fucking clearly. You, we saw it during the pandemic bailout packages. Where they said, oh, they're sending the peasants too much money so they don't want to go to work. Never mind all of the sick people, the dying people, the riots, the fires, the floods. Never mind that. We're sending them too much money. We sent them $3,000 and we might give them a little bit of unemployment insurance. God, it is fucking trans... They're saying the quiet part out loud now, man. It's fucking transparent. People say the quiet part out loud now. You know. They used to pretend. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe we all used to pretend better. I don't know. Maybe we had a a shared identity once before that we're missing now. Because there's a lot of people that seem so excited to help the Ukrainians. And they want to send warplanes over there and they want to go fight the Russians. And I keep thinking about how the war drums beat in 2003 
how they beat the drums so loud and got us in such a frenzy and such a fury that we knocked over two countries and occupied them for 20 years. And then when we got bored, everything collapsed. We left. And none of it mattered, apparently. None of it really mattered to the spoiled fat children who vote in this country, who call themselves adults, to the people that fucking cosplay patriotism. But when it was time to do something, when it was time to wear a mask and get vaccinated, they couldn't be fucking bothered. And and those same fucking people, the ones that fell over themselves to thank me for my sacrifice, the ones that couldn't be bothered to wear a mask, the ones that bailed out the billionaire class and sent the peasants a few hundred dollars and then told them to get back to work. The ones that wanted to pretend that January 6, 2021 was a guided tour and not a violent mob that came for the head of the vice president. Those same people want to go to Ukraine and fight. Never mind the fact that Afghanistan did not go well. It collapsed. And we should not get into a shooting war with the Russians so we can feel good about ourselves again. (laughs) That's not the solution. You might say that's a problem. Because clearly, given our track record, Over the last 20 years, we like to start wars. We like to send hundreds of thousands of troops into combat and get them fucking killed and mangled and maimed and murdered and mentally unstable. And then forget about them and force them to beg for VA healthcare. And then forget about the wars they fought and never like internalize any lessons like hey, maybe we should work on ourselves before we try to get involved with someone else again. No, we like the thrill of the invasion. We like the thrill of that first couple weeks. We like feeling the excitement, the drama of the war. Especially the ones that will never, ever fight it. Who consume it as content on television. They spend their lives in front of screens rooting for a red team or a blue team. And sometimes, the American team, when they're off fighting other people, we have no business fighting in Ukraine. And I say this because I do not trust the American public to give a shit about it five minutes after it stops being fun to watch. Because given their track record, once things stop being fun to watch, the American public stops giving a fuck. And I keep looking at this and I keep thinking about all the people I knew that came back mentally broken from the war. I keep thinking about everybody that didn't come home. I keep thinking about this guy I saw in Brook Army Medical Center in 2007 He was in a wheelchair. He was missing two legs and an arm. And his face was so burned and disfigured. 
and his little daughter was sleeping on his chest. And she was crying because her daddy was home. And I keep wondering why he had to go through that for a country that clearly doesn't care. Because we put, because four weeks ago we couldn't place Ukraine on a map. Most of us. I could, but most people couldn't. Most people probably couldn't place Ramadi and Fallujah and Sadr City and Baghdad and Kandahar on a map. But I can. And if you can't place those cities, those battlefields on a map, and if you don't know where your troops are, and if you don't know what you're asking your troops to do, if you can't fucking even pay attention to the lives we're sending into harm's way, if we can't honor their sacrifice by at least remembering where they are and what they had to do and the fucking hell we put them through then maybe you shouldn't be so excited to root for a fucking war that you probably don't understand <sighs> anyway that's all for me today thanks for listening Once you acknowledge the monster, once you understand its pain, once you understand that it's you, you can speak to the monster. All of his smoke and mirrors and anger and rage goes away and he turns into the little 12 year old who just wants someone to tell him everything's gonna be okay so he can go back to sleep.